Hey, thanks for joining us today on the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. My name is Riley. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I get the chance to lead our young adult ministry at Calvary Monterey. And today, I'm really excited you're here because we're starting a brand new series called Blessings Behind Bars. We're going through the book of Philippians together. And we have to remember that this book is really a letter. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church from where? from behind bars. He's put in prison in Philippi and writing this letter to the church to encourage them and speak life into their bones by reminding them of who Jesus is and what Jesus what Jesus had really done for them in their lives. So I'm really looking forward to getting to this series with you. We're going to go real slow through the book so we can really grab these concepts and really let them take root in our hearts. But today, we're in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Let's get into it. Imagine that you were thrown into prison for unjust causes. Maybe you did nothing wrong at all, but you were just in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. If you were in a jail cell, what would be your first phone call? What would be your first letter that you wrote? Who would it be to? What would you say? What would you want from that person or want for that person that you're writing to? For the Apostle Paul, he was in a Philippian jail for doing ministry in Philippi. He was casting out demons from different people in the community. And one particular person that he casted demons out from was someone who actually made money for the high officials of the day. She was someone who uh, could kind of tell fortunes and all that. Paul looked at her and said, demons come out of her. She was released from that bondage. And the people who made money off of her fortune-telling did not like what Paul was doing. They, they saw Paul as robbing them of their finances. So they arranged for Paul to be thrown into jail. Paul's just trying to follow God. Paul is just trying to bring the kingdom of God here on earth, trying to be led by the Spirit, and gets thrown into jail. And one of his first things that he does is he gets out what we would just say is just a pen and paper, just starts writing a letter. And who does he write to? Well, he writes to the church in the area where the prison where he is at is in. He writes to the Philippian church. Now, this church had a really special place in Paul's heart. This is the first church that Paul began um, in the life of the church. It's like the first church. And so Paul is writing to these believers And rather than asking them for money, rather than asking for them to break him out of jail, rather than asking him to, asking them to cause a riot or to bring some kind of societal upheaval to make a difference and a change, Paul takes first the very simple step of writing a very kind and gracious letter to the Philippians. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 1 verses 1 through 2. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, 
to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now these first two verses are just an opening to this really huge and beautiful letter. It's actually a really short letter, but it is just like jam-packed with goodness into it. And these first two verses, I mean, when you just read through them, they could be really easy to pass by. It's just like an introduction. It's just like a very kind welcome. But I think that when we look at this, we learn some really big concepts about what God wants to do in our hearts as believers, especially through difficulty, when suffering is happening in our lives, when we can't avoid difficulty, when hardship is inevitable, how does the Christian respond? Does ministry flow from their lives? Do they run and panic? Are they scared? Do they retreat? Do they fight back? What do they do? Paul shows us so much in these first two verses. And I just have two main points for you today. And the first one is this. This comes straight from verse one, and that's this. God gives his people purpose through their service. God gives his people purpose through their service. What do I mean by that? Well, look at Paul here. He says here that he is a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, aside from that, he didn't really have a whole lot to his name. Paul's reputation had been thrown in the mud. His livelihood was literally non-existent. He had no money to his name. He had nothing that would cause him to be seen as someone worth pulling out of jail, really. He was just like this guy who was doing ministry, had started this little Jesus community, and now was in jail. He had lost literally everything. But he recognized that no one could take away his dignity. No one could take away his identity or his real purpose of being a servant of Jesus Christ. No matter what happened, no matter what was taken away from him, no matter what the Roman government did to him, no matter what the officials pressed on him, Paul was still a servant to Jesus. He would always be in the fold of God's kingdom as a servant to the king. And Paul found his greatest strength in being that servant. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Not Paul the apostle, not Paul the the pastor who started the church, not Paul the, the one who's unjustly accused and thrown into prison. No, no, no. Just Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. That's how he's appealing to the Philippian church. Now, I love this for a lot of reasons. I think one of the reasons that this really strikes me is just because, man, when it comes to just the very core of who we are as humans, the very real, I, I guess, truth is that our identity is found in whose we are. Not what we do, but whose we are. Are we the world's? Are we ourselves? Or are we God's? And Paul here saw that, man, his truest identity was found in this relationship they had to God. He was a servant to the king. And I just wonder 
how many of us take ourselves out of the purposes of God because we first find our identity in something else that maybe this world has placed on us or that we have placed on ourselves. Maybe we don't see ourselves as servants to Jesus and our purposes for this life are, are thrown all over the place. You know, maybe we first identify as, you know, our addictions. Maybe you're someone who just says like, look, my name is Riley and I'm an addict. Maybe that's the first way that you really identify yourself when you walk into a room. Maybe you've been hurt in the past and when you come into a new relationship, you bring your brokenness first to that relationship. Maybe you're just shy. Maybe you're just a bit timid and you feel like that is who you are. You can't rise above the timidity or above the shyness. You'll just always be that way. What I love about this verse in Philippians chapter one is that Paul is showing us that even through the hangups that we have in our lives, the very real trauma that we experience, the burdens and the weights of this world that we carry on us, even through all that, beneath all that, at the root and core of who we are, we are, if we have chosen to follow Jesus, we are servants of Christ Jesus. And this illuminates how we do all of life. You know, I, I can think back to my childhood. When I was two years old, my dad died in a tragic car accident. And my mom told me recently that, you know, I was two years old, I was talking a little bit, but when that accident happened, I actually stopped talking for about a year. I had to go to speech therapy. Um, I had to kind of learn how to cope with the pain that was really like living inside of my body. And for my whole childhood, I really did live as a shy child, just really timid, a bit scared and just nervous. I've always kind of wrestled with social anxiety to a degree. And for so long, I let that hurt and that pain, that loss, dictate how I lived my life. I was scared to take risks. I was scared to follow through with relationships. I didn't want to put myself out there too much because I felt like, man, if I got hurt again, then what worth did I really have? I lost another thing. Like, could I really even like hold on to anyone or anything, any job, any purpose? And it was only really through faithful community, elders in my church speaking life into my bones, and ultimately through reading scripture, allowing God's word to really transform my heart, allow his spirit to do that internal work inside of me, that I feel like he's kind of led me through some of that shyness and kind of brought some resolve to it to where I can actually be confident enough to say, look, these pains from my life aren't going to prevent me from actually serving God and all the ways he calls us to serve, right? God's called me to serve in ways I feel very uncomfortable oftentimes. But through that nurturing love of Jesus, that soothing balm of his word, he has produced life and has actually given me the confidence and the stature to be able to say, I can now, because of my my dignity being restored in Christ and his love and affection for me, I now can actually bow back down in the proper way and say, I'm just a servant 
of Christ. If, if, if all I have in this life is to be a servant, then man, I've got it really good because through trials and struggles and ups and downs, through good and bad, nothing can shake that core of who I am because I know whose I am. God gives his people purpose through their service. Now, maybe you've struggled with addiction or come through a a broken family, or maybe you're questioning who you are. Maybe you're even at a point in your life where you've been so fed up with yourself that you say, I actually just hate myself. I cannot live with myself. I, I just hate it. I just want you to know that God sees you, and he has given you a life worth living. You may not believe that about yourself, but you have to know that there is God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, the Holy Spirit. These three in the Godhead are ministering towards you, showing you that they have loved you, redeemed you, and called you forward towards a purpose. But you will only discover that purpose as you begin to serve God with all your life. If you're wrestling right now with your purpose, I would encourage you, take time throughout your day and throughout your week in your life to serve God. That might look like you just waking up in the morning. It sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Just waking up in the morning and just opening up your Bible, turning on the app, just spending some time reading and praying and just saying, God, I'm going to serve you with my time and my body and my mind and my attention right now. You have me. By doing that, opening yourself up to God in that way, being humble as you approach God, man, that gives God so much space to get into your life and to reveal to you the purposes that he's calling you towards. And I don't feel like it's too extreme to say that as you spend time with God, that he will lead you into the most, I guess, purposeful life that you could ever imagine. Some of the most life-changing moments that you may have in your life may come from those moments that you spend with God in the quiet, in your room, early in the morning, as you're serving God with your time. I know that's been true for me in my life. Some of the most pivotal shifts in my mindset or in the direction for my life or for my marriage and my family have come from these unexpected moments where God speaks into my life through that act of serving God with all that I am in those moments. So if you're wrestling with purpose right now, let me assure you that as you serve God with your life, he will reveal to you your purpose. That is what Paul saw here. He saw that, man, his purpose, that the very core of who he was, what he was supposed to do in this life was found in serving God. So God, man, he gives his people purpose through their service. But God also does this. This is our second point. God uses the servant-minded to bless the brokenhearted. God uses the servant-minded to bless the brokenhearted. This is what I mean. Philippians 1 verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the first thing that Paul says after he says that he's a servant. He's like, look, Paul here, a servant of Christ, 
I'm writing this to you, saints in Philippi, this. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is using this servant-minded mindset to bless the broken-hearted people in Philippi. Now, Paul was in prison, okay? He was under the worst of the worst circumstances. But the Philippians were also going through a, a unique set of hardships as well. They were being persecuted in the same ways that Paul is being persecuted by the Roman government. They're being squashed down economically. They're getting squashed down socially and in the way they worshiped, in the way that they gathered together, the way that they made money and did family, the way they thrived. It was all being pushed down, oppressed by the Roman government. And they had no way of really lifting themselves back into a, an equitable standpoint in society. They were being robbed of their lives. They were being persecuted in a very real way. People were dying. Families were being experiencing loss. People were having to leave and flee. It was difficult where they were at. But Paul, with his words, he says, look, as, as your pastor, as your brother, I want you to know this, that I am, I'm extending grace and peace to you, not from myself, but from the one who's given me grace and peace. I'm saying this to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father and Jesus will bring to you grace and peace. I'm using my servant-minded attitude and perspective to now bless you, my Philippian church that is experiencing the effects of a broken heart. Now, Paul could have used this opportunity, like we mentioned earlier. He could have said, like, look, hey, Philippian church, I'm in prison. I'm your pastor. Break me out of here. Here's the plans. Here's the schedule for the guards. Here's where you can get the resources. Like, break me out of here. Let's revolt against this system. Let's buck back against the Roman Empire. Let's show them that we Christians don't take persecution lying down. He could have said all that, but he didn't. Instead, Paul has the mindset of leading the Philippian church through the hardship so that rather than resisting difficulty, they would know how to walk through the difficulty into all the life that God had called them into. Now check out these words that Paul uses. He uses the word grace. This is one of the biggest words in scripture and you know, as we go through the book of Philippians, we'll dive more and more into this word grace. But here's what I want you to see for today. This word grace comes from a Greek word charis, and it simply means gift. But in this context, it's even more than a gift. It's actually the gift of divine influence upon the heart. This is like Paul looking to the Philippians and saying, look, I'm going to deposit something into you that is of divine nature into your souls. This deposit had a spiritual significance to it. This gift, this grace, this charis was Paul really bringing God's goodness to the church in a very special way. He wanted it to touch and influence the hearts of his church family. So he's saying, look, 
this whole letter is going to be about grace and peace to you. First, this is going to be a gift towards you. Let me just say, with my servant mind right now, with me understanding who I've been bought for as a servant of Jesus, I'm going to release and extend his grace towards you. This is going to be a good thing. But he also extends peace. Now that word peace is rooted in the concept of quietness, restfulness, and spending time just refreshing your batteries. So the concept I'm trying to get here is that Paul is extending a gift and he's extending rest during this time of unrest, during this time where people are experiencing loss. He's saying, look, these words are not just from me. These are from God and they're going to be a gift to you. They're going to lift up your spirit and they're going to bring peace and rest and quiet to your souls. This is what I'm just trying to really get at here is that Paul wasn't writing to the Philippian church to get anything from them. He wrote to them to give them something. That doesn't seem like a big thing, but Paul was in prison. He's, I mean, in my mind, it's like Paul, the, the church should have been really proactive at just kind of coming to Paul. And, and they did. Um, the church sent people to Paul to comfort him and to love on him. But for Paul to use this time to love and care for the church, it's like, Paul, you just got to be looking out for yourself right now. You got to make sure that you're safe, that you're not going to get taken advantage of. But Paul just sees this as another opportunity to serve the church. This servant-minded attitude was used to bless the brokenhearted um, at the Philippian church. Now, for me, I think about this, and I'm like really convicted myself. I'm just thinking like, man, what do I do when I, when I experience hardship and difficulty in my life? What is my first reaction? Do I want to run away? Do I want to fight back? Do I want to press into scripture? Do I want to try to numb my senses with a vice or a relationship or a TV show or something like that? I'm really convicted. I feel like Paul here is just showing us that, man, when, when life gives you lemons, it's time to hand your people some lemonade. That sounds really cheesy. I know. But what we're seeing here is that Paul is using this moment right now to just bless the church. Think about that in your life for a moment. When you experience difficulty, you know, when your classes all moved online. How did you process that shift in mindset and that loss, knowing that you wouldn't be able to go, able to go on campus again for this foreseeable future? How did you feel when you, you know, in your barracks as a military man or woman found out recently that the DOD is asking for military officials and people who are enlisted to stay in their barracks to actually go on a more severe lockdown. How did you handle that? When your relationship changed because now you're just talking online, you're just talking on the phone, you're just texting, you're not in person with that person that you really admire, how did you process that hardship in your life? Maybe you're at home right now, you're unmarried, you're single, how have you been dealing with being at home for now over a hundred days in quarantine? How are you processing all this? Is this a time where you've 
gone inward? Have you given in to sin? Have you acted out on lust? On impulses? I know for me, like, my natural bent when hardship comes is to just push it away. Like, if that's going to disrupt my inner zen, I just do not want it in my life. I'll try to do whatever I can to avoid it. Sleep. Turn off my phone. Don't go on Instagram. Don't talk about it. All this kind of stuff, right? But what if in these moments when trouble comes our way, sure, we need to deal with things. Sure, we need to have conversations. We need to be wise and we need to, you know, make sure our lives are moving forward. But like, what's our first reaction? Do we in that moment just take time for self-pity? Or do we begin to open up our lives and care for others? I think that what Paul is showing us here is that when we open up our lives to people in moments of turmoil, that we not only get to bless someone else, but we actually get a chance to be reminded of who we truly are. I think that God has so much space in our lives in those moments to reveal to us like, hey, you are loved, you are cared for, you've been bought with a price. This life is not meaningless. This life is full of purpose. Things may be hard right now, but you can still serve me, you can still bless others, you can still move forward with your life. Even when the world tells you to sit down, you can stand up and say, I love you, I care for you, and I'm here for you. And that's what I really believe that these first two verses in Philippians are showing us, that our lives, no matter what we go through, can be used for God's purposes. I feel like Jesus demonstrates this in the most powerful way through his life and ministry. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 20 that he didn't come to this world to be served. He actually came to serve. At Calvary right now, we're going through a Sunday series through the book of Mark, and the whole title of this series is Jesus, the Servant Savior. Jesus was the greatest servant. And we have to remember that Jesus experienced the most intense persecution that this world has ever experienced. Jesus experienced betrayal. He experienced uh, being falsely accused. He experienced being beaten for things that he did not do. He experienced people mocking him saying bad things about him when he did nothing wrong at all. Jesus experienced a long, brutal death on the cross. But Jesus did all this for a purpose. He wouldn't go through any of that for just whatever reason, you know, you might tack on to it. Jesus went through every single battle, every single struggle for a purpose. What was that purpose? Well, Jesus was serving you. Everything that he did, everything he said, everything his life amounted to, that was for you. This isn't some kind of rah-rah, like, good for you kind of message. This is just the truth. Jesus, through his one sacrifice, made it possible for all 
to receive salvation. So, Jesus' sacrifice, his beatings, his, the blood that he shed, the water that was poured out of his side, everything that he experienced was for the purpose of serving you. As he went to that cross and as he died on that cross, experiencing that literal death, as he was buried in a tomb, and as the Spirit of God raised him from the dead, the Godhead was serving you. Through this movement of death, burial, and resurrection by the Spirit, and by God's planning through Jesus' resurrection and ascension back up to the Father, all this was done for you. Why? So that you could now be saved from your sins. So you now could be brought into this relationship where you're not only a son or daughter to Jesus or to God the Father. You're not only raised to life by the Spirit, but you can now identify with the purpose and the mission of Jesus. Jesus identified as a servant. Paul was walking in that same purpose and identity. And now you and now me, we get to walk in that same grace knowing that, man, we are servants to the king. This is what you've been bought for. And so, you know, it doesn't sound fun to serve. It doesn't sound like a good life to always be serving others. But let me just tell you again, the, the economic system of the kingdom of God, it's flipped upside down a little bit as opposed to what we experience here in America and throughout the world what we learn through scripture is that when we lose our lives, when we serve with our bodies, that's where we find life and that's where we find purpose. And so for you, I'm praying that today that you step into every opportunity possible to not only serve the people around you, but to remember that you can now align your life to Jesus' life by being a servant and it's through that service that you will truly find your purpose thanks for being here today come back next tuesday for a new episode here of the for the bible tells me so podcast Check the show notes for info about following and interacting with the young adult ministry throughout the week during Shelter in Place. We hope to see you soon.